in this broken world. Sound and stable, we stand secure in the sun. We are the Unshakables. Good morning. Good morning, man. It's good to be here with you this morning. How about those Jordan 4s? Chase's shoe game is on point. I was like, bro, here's Mike. You preach. You preach. I listen, you know, with that kind of anointing, you know, on those feet. It's just super anointed this morning, man. It's good to see you. Give your neighbor a high five. Say, welcome to church. If you don't have a neighbor, just, you know, give yourself a high five. And just, you know, fake it. Fake it till you make it. Somebody. Man, it's good to be here this morning with you. We're in a series called Unshakables. It tracks along with our purple book at our purple table. Today is week three, direction, and so you're in week three of the purple book. I was talking to Sarah earlier. She goes, that purple book's good. I know we don't lie up here. It's good. (laughs) Jesus is going to show up. He's going to show up in your life. It's going to be awesome. I was thinking about Unshakables. I was thinking about Legos. Anybody like Legos? These are Lego, these are the Lego Duplos. This is the little kid version, and I love this version. It's just so much easier, except you can't make s- too many complicated things. Uh, I-, I love teaching my kid how to play Legos. Not that he needs my help. It's just really an excuse to play with him. And so, so what I learned about Legos, and you know this, is no epiphany this morning, but, but Legos, I-, I love building the highest tower possible right do you love building like the tallest tower possible I I love doing it and if you just put block upon block just single blocks you know that that tower can only be so tall isn't that correct that tower can only be so tall and my four-year-old son Benson loved to build towers like this until his sister came along and when his sister came along who's 18 months now she knew how to destroy this tower overnight I mean it was just a little swap of the hand a little swat of the hand a little kick or something I mean, you'd sneeze on this thing, it would fall if it was tall enough, right? So then we went to the fact that, that every good tower needs a good base. Isn't that true? It's why the pyramids have been around for thousands of years, because there's such a good base to those towers, to, to, those, to those, um, those monuments there in Egypt. And, and so we realized the base has to be solid. So the wider the base, the taller the tower. And I want to urge you today in the unshakables, why are we doing this series? Because we're trying to widen your base. We're trying to get your foundation solid, solidified, because we believe that, that God doesn't want you to be ordinary. He wants you to be extraordinary. God wants you to be something more than you are today. How many of you know that's true? So whether you're a man or a woman in here, God wants you to be more. Tell your neighbor he wants more. He wants more. But in order to get more, you need a foundation. You need something that's going to last, that's going to take, take the storms, going to take little sisters coming along, going to take the, the, the lies of the enemy, the storms that happen in your life. How many know storms are coming? You're either in a storm, you've been in a storm, or you're going to be in a storm. You're in one of those three places today. And so it's so imperative for us as a church to get us through the purple book, to start diving in what God wants to do in your life. It's so important that you would go through that. And if you've gone through it, you need to take somebody through that. Is that true? You need to, you need to walk somebody through that. Who do I walk, Pastor Ben? I don't know. Go ask somebody in the foyer. Somebody's grabbing a purple book today. Go, hey, you want to go through that together? That would be awesome. That would be great. Meet up once a week, once every other week. Hold each other accountable. Get through this and let the foundations of God rest in you that you'd be able to stand all the storms in your life. Today, we're talking about direction. 
How many of you have seen Alice in Wonderland, the weirdest movie in the world? I, I feel like I only make it through half that movie. But when Alice walks up to the tree, she sees the Cheshire cat. And the Chesh she asks the Cheshire cat, uh, which road do I take? The cat responds, well, where do you want to go? Her response, I don't know. The cat responds, then I guess it doesn't matter. And that's true of life, isn't it? It's true of life that we're all moving on paths. We're all moving in directions. And every choice you make defines your life or, or is a defining moment of your life, I should say. And, and so the choices that we, we take, the choices that we make end up moving our trajectory. The problem is this, is that in the story, as we read uh, two weeks ago, we realized that, that we're broken people. We're fallen people. We're not holy. We're, we're separated. You and me have stuff. We have stuff. We're messed up. And as a result, we make a lot of bad choices. Am I the only one who makes bad choices? Like, all of us make bad choices. Bad choices. So the truth is you're on two paths today. You're on a path towards Jesus or you're on a path away from Jesus. You're moving towards him or you're moving away from him. And today we get to decide. And the only way to move towards him, it starts with the word repent. Everybody say repent. Repent is, is not new. It's not a new word. Maybe you're familiar with that word. Maybe you have some negative um, um, remarks or thoughts when it comes to that word. But, but repent is what we're going to talk about today. Two paths. Proverbs 4, 18 and 19 says this. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. You and I, we were on this path of darkness. We were on this path that, that we were just stumbling. You, you ever trip over something you're like, how did that happen? Like, I have two left feet. It happens more to me than you probably. And so... We find ourselves stumbling over and over again in the darkness, and that's so true. And that's why Jesus came. And right before Jesus came, John the Baptist, his cousin, went around and said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then Jesus, is one of his first sermons in Matthew chapter 4, he says, Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's one of Jesus' first Sermons. It was imperative for you and I to repent, that in order to, to follow Jesus, we had to move into a lifestyle of repentance. And that's what we're going to talk about today, a lifestyle of repentance. Repentance, what does it mean? Well, it's a change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of direction. A change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of direction. There's nothing like going to a soccer game with a bunch of little kids. And they don't know which way to go. I mean, have you witnessed it? It's like they're, they're running this way. They're running that way. They're running into the street. They're running. I mean, everywhere. You know, it's like, can you just, that's your goal. We need you to score in that goal. But for whatever reason, they want to score in the other goal. How many of you know that's true? Like, sometimes it's just easier to score in the other goal. Check out this clip. Or is it just because it's still pre-season and they've got a bit to work on still? Or are there troubling signs for Chelsea ahead, in your opinion. Remembering back... That is the most extraordinary own goal I think I have ever seen in football. And Padelli could do absolutely nothing about it. Hang your head in shame. Condogbia. 
it was all going so well. Remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Mourinho has a little ball back to him. And to say he's overdone this is an understatement. Tries to pass it back to Padelli. It's way too much on it. What a finish that is. Keith, I think if he tried that a hundred more times, he wouldn't hit the target once. He's top. He's top. I, I just want to keep going. He doesn't get old. Like, did he just do that? I mean, seriously, I mean, I know, you know, he's hitting it back to the goalie so the offense can reset. I understand that, but, but he just scored on himself and tied the game. How amazing is that? You know, the truth is that there's a real enemy. If you didn't know this, there is a devil that tempted Adam and Eve, and they, he caused them to sin. He caused them to eat of the tree in separation. The truth is the enemy is still alive and active, moving against you in accusation. And we know it. He's constantly telling you lies. He's constantly coming against you. He's constantly trying to win the game against you. But here's the thing. is sometimes we make it easy on the enemy by going the wrong direction. Sometimes we go against ourselves, don't we? Sometimes we grab that soccer ball and we start scoring on ourselves. You're not going to win if you start scoring on yourself. You're not going to win in your self-pity, your self-loathing, or any other self-thing there is, right? You're not going to win, but that's what happens. With you and I separate from God, we're going a different direction. We're going our own way, and it's like we're racking up the scoreboard against ourselves. And the announcer, the commentator said it so clearly, didn't he? He said, oh, that guy, that's so shameful. Didn't he say that? So shameful. You must be ashamed. Of yourself and that's how we've done life in our own power in our own way in our own life in our own walk is that we keep messing up and we walk around with shame man I did it again I messed up again and that's why we have a choice we have a choice how are we gonna live how what kind of lifestyle are we gonna have I got with a friend this weekend this friend and I oh just just a horrible and yet redemptive story. I was hanging out with him, and before I did, I felt called to call him. Felt like I should call him. I didn't have his number. I asked for his number, and, and I, I called him, and, and he just found out 20 minutes before that phone call that he had colon cancer. And I could tell something was wrong with him because his voice, and, and it was just shaking. He was just distraught, and he didn't know how to deal with the news like you and I don't know how to deal with news that we hear that is just brought upon us suddenly. And so I said, we need to hang out. We need to be together. I, I just want to take a ride together. And so, so we hung out and we rode around. And as we did, he was just talking about all these things. And, and, and almost just like you would if we got this news all of a sudden, uh, almost a defeatist mentality of, of man, I don't want to put people through this. I don't know if I can walk through this. I don't know what God's purpose is for this. I thought I've done everything right. And it was this storm moment in his life. And he, he was reaching this point, and we cried together. We prayed together. And two days later, I talked to him. I said, how you doing? He goes, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I believe that, that I'm in this for a reason, that God has a purpose for me. I believe there was no accident that you called me 20 minutes right after I got this news that God was saying, I'm not giving up on you, that I am hopeful and, and I'm starting to keep score 
I'm starting to keep score today. Cancer has two days, but, but, but today I'm hopeful, and that's a victory. And I'm going to start keeping score every day, and I'm going to win, and I'm going to defeat this. I believe that God's going to be glorified in this moment, through this moment, and that Jesus ultimately is going to win. He moved from, from this moment of shock to self-loathing to pity to, to being cut to the heart, which we're going to read about, to, to repenting and changing direction to say Jesus is on the throne. Sorry. I'm hopeful. Broke, but the foundation is still there, so there you go. <laughs> Proverbs 28 13 says this Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So, how does repentance work? Well, we have to confess. We have to confess in Acts chapter 2. We read a story. It says this, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we will talk about next week. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for, all, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God, God calls to himself. The first thing that we have to realize is that we need a change of hearts. We need a change of heart, just like they were. When they heard the gospel, when they heard that they crucified Jesus, when they heard that they put Jesus on the cross, that their sins separated them from God. When you and I realized that our offense has separated us from God and we're going the wrong direction, there was a change of heart and we're cut. We're cut to the, we're cut. And in that process of being cut, it leads us to two places. 2 Corinthians 7.10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. As you cut to the heart, you realize, okay, is this godly sorrow, godly grief? And then for them it was, oh my goodness, this Jesus just took my punishment, took my sin, took everything wrong that I did in life. He took it upon himself and died the death that I deserve to die. And they realized that they were cut to the heart. I can't, I can't believe we did this, and I can't believe he did that. I can't believe it. Cut to the heart, it was, it was a godly sorrow. But, but I know that for us, that godly sorrow and worldly sorrow plays itself out differently, doesn't it? When I was a kid, I felt like and godly sorrow just hit me so quickly. It hit me so quickly, and I, and I realized this because in your youth, you're more innocent than you are the older you are. The, the longer you live, the more you know. The longer you live, the more sinful you become. It's just true. Uh, we, we call it the age of accountability, that there is this innocence and youthfulness in kids. And, and, and this innocence is given to them. And I think that's what godly sorrow hit me. I remember going to our Mother's Day Out program, and I thought it would be a good idea. Hey, you know what would be fun? And we run up and down, and when you say stuff as you're running, nobody can hear it. Like, <laughs> didn't work, did it? Like, no one can hear it, so let's, let's yell explicit words. Let's yell cuss words. And so we're running up now, mother, 
It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm, I'm shameful. Shamed of it. And I remember that moment when we got busted. Like, what are y'all doing? You can hear us? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how little I am. That's how ignorant I am. That's how innocent I am somewhat. And it was that moment, man, I got in trouble, and I realized that I offended them. I offended them, my authority. I offended, offended the person that was charging them. And there was this grief of offense, and it led me to repent and change. And you and I remember this. You remember those stories when you were caught. I remember being in JCPenney's, grabbing all the costume jewelry I possibly could because I thought it was real gold. You know, and you're, you're grabbing it, and you're, like, stuffing it in your pockets, like, I'm so rich. This is awesome. I remember walking out of there, and my mom saw me showing my brother, like, dude, what are we going to buy with all this? <laughs> and my mom dragged me in there and made me apologize to the clerk and give it back and tell them that I was wrong. I was in tears. I mean, I mean, she was dragging me, and I'm just crying, and I was so sorry. <laughs> and I didn't steal because there was this godly sorrow. There was this offense. And the older I got, the more jaded I became. The older I got, when this conviction hit my heart, this, 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 when I was cut to the heart, I started tuning things out. I started oh, justifying it away. Oh, well, it, it's okay, you know, it's, it's okay I did that, you know, it's okay. I mean, the bank is the one who gave me the 10 extra dollars. They skipped it. They counted wrong. I'm going to keep it. No big deal. I don't know if that happened or not. Probably did. I need to go back. Okay. <laughs> this godly sorrow cuts your heart, and now you have to realize, what am I going to do with such a conviction? What am I going to do when God starts moving in your heart and starts convicting you? Are you going to silence God and start kicking goals towards yourself and start hiding and being in shame? Or are you going to change your mind? Are you going to change your mind? Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This this change of mind, the Greek word for repent means metanoia, which means not only just a change of heart, but a change of mind. And, and so, so it's one thing to be cut in the heart and get your heart transformed, but now your mind has to line up with your heart. It has to start lining up with it. The, the Roman, the, the verse in Romans, one translation says a renovation, not a renewing, a renovation of your mind. I love that because HGTV is like my best friend. I, I love renovations. I, I love seeing these, these houses that are uh, just falling apart, and I love them going in and renovating them. And what do you do the first day of renovation? Demo, demo day. That's right. Demo day. Anybody like Chip and Joanna knows demo day is my favorite day, you know? And so they got their sledgehammers, and they're ready to demo it. You know, it's one thing to start demoing a house over there. It's another thing to start demoing your mind, isn't it? It's another thing to start bringing, a, bringing the word of God as a sword to your mind and start, start cutting things off. Start revisiting those offenses. Start revisiting those things that, that, that you have put in place. And, and all that black mold in your mind, I'm telling you, it's rough, isn't it? It's rough when it, life starts looking at that. And it's why like Freedom Weekend this weekend is going to be awesome for our women. And yet, and yet, it's going to be painful. 
It's going to be painful because you realize that's an offense right there. Okay, I got to repent. I got to ask Jesus to come in and heal that circumstance and move in power. I got to do that. Ooh, I don't want to talk about that one. Can we just leave the bathroom undone? I mean, who, black mold. I mean, does it hurt in the bathroom when the water's running? I'm not sure. You know, let's just leave that one undone. And that's what we do. We, we like to leave things undone because it's a, it's a costly, tough project. It's, it's hard to deal with. But, but that's what God wants. He wants to leave. He wants to start renovating your mind. He wants you to start renewing your mind and lining it up with Jesus. Lastly, is the change of direction is the evidence of change in your life. The change of directions in Acts 26, as Paul's in front of King Agrippa, he says, declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, throughout all the region of Judea and also the Gentiles, that they should repent, verse 20, and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized him in the temple and tried to kill me because it was no longer philosophy. It was no longer theory. But now I'm asking you to walk it out. And that's what Jesus is asking. He's asking to walk it out. Matthew 3, 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. If you truly are cut to the heart and your mind's being renovated and your mind's changing, you're going to start living it out. People are going to start seeing the Jesus that's in you come out of you. And, and you're going to start living it and start looking like it wherever you go. So the question is, um, Pastor Ben, but when do I stop repenting? Because I grew up, you know, saying confession, saying repentance. And I'm going to tell you, repentance is not penance. You don't have to keep getting on your knees or keep paying the price. Jesus paid the price for you. Repentance is acknowledgement saying that, Jesus, I want to go your way. Jesus, I want to start living your way. I want to start doing what you do. I want to start talking like you talk. I want to live for you. Martin Luther said this. He said this as he, he was a reformer, as he um, nailed a knife five thesis on the door, and as he started um, um, moving from the Catholic Church, realizing that penance was not the way, that was a power play. And, and so he started moving in this grace play, and he started talking about there's grace and that God loves you no matter what your circumstance. But he says this, even coming out of that environment, he says, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ willed that the whole life of believers should be repentance we should constantly repent we should constantly be turning away from ourselves, constantly turning away from our desires and our affections and placing them on jesus and through chasing jesus you find your desires still being fulfilled but in an unselfish way it's like the blessing it's moving from trying to grab it yourself is almost like a curse you keep cursing yourself every time you try to grab things in your selfish ambition but when you move to jesus and repent you find the blessing and the promise and god's faithfulness over your life that's what you find in it and so we're constantly doing that first john says this that that 521 little children keep yourselves from idols keep yourself from idols he had to say that meaning that you're gonna have to constantly be repenting you're gonna have to constantly be turning your heart and turning your mind and moving in a different direction. And I just think that sometimes we get lazy in it, don't we? Sometimes we get lazy in it because we don't realize what the offense is. We, we don't realize the direction that we're moving into. We, we just get a little passive like, okay, God, I got baptized. 
All right, now I'm good to go. Woo, going to heaven. Glory to God. Awesome. Now I'm just going to live for me again. It's going to be great. But, but, but Jesus wants his daily walk. He's constantly bringing stuff up in you because he wants the better you. He wants you to look more like him. This process of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. And so, so once you conquer something and you repent and you turn, you find out, oh, man, there's another idol. Oh, man, there's something else. Oh, really, God, really, that one? Can we just ignore that one today, please? And sometimes Jesus lets you. You know what's great is sometimes Jesus just works on parts because he knows you can't handle it all at one time. How many know that's true? Like, dude, I can't handle everything right now. I am exhausted. I don't know if another thing can be broken from me. And so it's, it's a process. It's a journey as we're walking with him. And you're going to know it because in different seasons, in different trials, in different circumstances, there may be something that you, you put and elevate above God and you didn't even realize it. You didn't even realize it. And that's when you have to go, God, is there anything unclean in me? That's what David said. God, look at my heart. Is it, if there's anything unclean, just rid it because I want it gone. Because I don't want to be a stumbling block to this relationship with you. The good news, the great news, is that he loves you no matter what. Proverbs 24, 17. 16, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumbles in time of calamity. The righteous falls seven times. That means there's seven days of the week. You're probably going to fall every day. This is discouraging. This feels futile. This is vain. It is. It's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. It is vain. It's futile. I mean, just, just eat, be merry, drink it up, live it up, do that. But with Jesus, it's not. See, with Jesus, he redeems the futility of it, and he brings purpose. With Jesus, he redirects. With Jesus, he breathes life. And with Jesus, it is possible. Jesus made it possible for you to get up seven times. Jesus made it possible for you to be righteous. Jesus made it possible, and his grace is never ending. And as soon as you repent, he's right there. He loves you even before you repent. Isn't that awesome? And he's just, he's waiting. He stands at the door and he knocks. He's sitting there waiting for you. He's constantly waiting for you. Uh, John Vianney says this, God will pardon a repentant sinner more quickly than a mother would snatch her child out of the fire. That's how quick God is to pardon our iniquities. It's instant. It's instant. And that picture right there is a picture of a loving father of how much he cares for you. Would you stand with me this morning? And I want to do this as Ashley and Blaze are headed out today and loaded their trailer and did all that stuff. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here. And I want us just to get our worship on today. Can we just worship God who is so good in the heavens and, and creator of the earth of you and me who has destined us and purposed us. And he has given us the right direction let's pray jesus we love you so much father we thank you for who you are 
God, we praise you, Lord. And Father, wherever we find ourselves, God, if we're in the season of moving the direction where we keep kicking the goal and keep scoring on ourselves, God, we, we know the enemy is doing enough accusation. God, don't let us participate in that. Let us lean into you. Let us metanoia. Let us repent and turn to Jesus, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who has destined and predestined us in every way and created us for good works. God, I pray that, Lord, you would move us into a place of repentance. And, Lord, even as I was speaking, I know, God, that you were highlighting things that we need to turn away from. You were thinking about the, the mistakes that you've been making over and over and over again. You've, you've been maybe walking with your head down in shame. And I want to tell you, son and daughter, Jesus is enough, and he is more than enough, and he's already paid for that. Turn to him. He stands at the door, and he's waiting. He's waiting for the relationship. He's waiting for you. And Jesus, I pray that in this moment of worship, in this few minutes, that we could confess those things before you and find freedom and get lost in the love that's never ending. In Jesus' name.